It's good. Hopefully you've enjoyed those life hacks. And uh, if you have your own life hack, we would love to hear from you. So if you want to post those to our Facebook and, and share with us your version of those, uh, that would be awesome. Now, some of you might be intrigued as, as you came in, there's a little slip of paper on your seat. And here's what we're hoping that you'll do with those. Just simply put your zip code on that and then put it in the offering buckets when they pass later in our service. Our, our hope is this. Um, as we grow and as we continue to uh, get larger, we want to find out where is an area of most saturation that we could potentially plant a campus there or, or do some outreach to an area where a larger group of you are coming to uh, replicate ourselves in an area that would benefit you. So that's the intel we're doing for the next few weeks. If you are seated in this arena on a little white sheet of paper, then we want it. Not, not for your kids in childcare, but in this room, a zip code and where you come from. So we're doing this life hack series, and the idea would be behind uh, it would be is, you know, there's simple tips and tricks that you can do to resolve numerous problems that you have in life. And you've maybe stumbled across a video, and it had helpful information on it, and, and you were able to resolve one of your problems. Well, a couple of weeks ago, my life hack video came on and, and you know those tools or toys that are like landlocked in the plastic container and there's no way to get inside of those. Well, if you'll go to your kitchen, grab a uh, can opener, you simply latch it onto the, the side of that, you can get it open. Now what I'm hearing is that it's not working or it's breaking the can opener to which I say operator error uh, because it worked for me, and my wife is wrong when she says it broke our can opener because I opened multiple cans with it the other day. So there's that. And I also thought I'd give an additional life hack this morning. So how many of you are coffee drinkers? It's true, we know, because we go through gallons of it here on Sunday morning. And so uh, maybe you have one of these at home, a, a tumbler, a stainless steel device that is used to keep the beverage hot for like five days. I don't know, I burn myself multiple times on my coffee, but... If you're a coffee lover, then you have put coffee inside here, and what you found is that it stains the inside, it leaves the, the smell of coffee behind, and so here's how to remedy that. Take a heaping scoop of baking soda, and you dump that inside, get hydrogen peroxide and an equal portion of hydrogen peroxide to the baking soda, and then boil some water, add that to the brim of the container, and you're going to see a little chemical reaction. It'll start activating what it's going to do. As soon as that's done bubbling, it might bubble over the cup. It's all good. So put it in the sink is good advice. Uh, just dump that out, wipe out the inside of the cup, and it's brand new, brand new uh, inside. You'll get rid of that stain, and P.S., this works too. So if it doesn't work for you, operator error. Uh, we've talked about some life hacks that truly trouble people. And uh, last week we discussed anxiety. And, and in this room, there's many who struggle with anxious thoughts. And Daniel gave us room to breathe on this issue and how to kind of resolve worrying about tomorrow, worrying about the future and troubling yourself over all those things if you can focus in on today. And what God has been trustworthy for today, God continues to be trustworthy. We've talked about uh, what some of you have told us has been, you know, some of your last ditch efforts to uh, save your marriage and to hold on to that marriage. And Daniel really pushed into us men. Listen, it's our job to pursue our spouse, to pursue them. And as we do, to provide and protect for them, all bathing that in prayer. When we do that, trying to glorify God in the midst of that, what we find is a healthy landscape for marriage. Maybe, maybe some of you are thinking, how can I find 
somebody to love. We all want somebody to love. I need somebody. Do you know somebody to... Never mind. Uh, I'll stop. Well, Danny gave us a live hack on how to love well, how to love your neighbor, how to uh, love uh, as God has directed us to love. And today what we want to unleash is the life hack on anger. And I myself have been plagued with, with anger troubles and temper issues uh, most of my life. And if you're in this room, I'm, I'm guessing uh, there's some of you who also struggle with this very real issue. And if you struggle with anger, it comes up in your work in your marriage, in your friendships, in your life. You have to harness your wrath and, and, uh, and you possibly anger easily. How many of you would say you've had a petty argument? Argument over a few dollars or an argument over something that it really didn't matter, but man, you went after it with gusto and you're fighting your end and it means nothing, but you have argued to that end. So I asked my kids before this uh, message, you know, what do, what do kids argue about? What are some fights kids get in? And it's like, who gets to go first and tag? Like that's, that's their fights, okay? Get that. So I asked some single people, what are some things that single people wrestle with? And, and here's what we uncovered there is where to eat or whose food is actually in the fridge. That's my property. And that's some things that they uh, fight over. And if you live with a roommate or a, a spouse, then you know this, you can argue about how to clean the house or whose bowl is that in the living room? It's been sitting there for a month on end. Well, some of the things that we used to fight about early on in my marriage were, were these, these trivial things. How to roll the toothpaste. This was an argument we actually got into. The preference of how you actually fold laundry doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. And what tends to drive my frustrations often is selfish. When I'm out and about, here's what I can get upset about. Upset with traffic because I'm delayed. I like to be on time. I like to be prompt. I like to be early. And if I'm delayed, I'll get frustrated. I'm frustrated when I think people should do a task quicker, more efficiently, more effectively than they're currently doing the task. I'm angered at customer service. Anyone? You know, I purchased a product or a, a, a membership or something, and it's not working properly. Our typical greatest frustration or the things that cause some of our relationships the most angst would be selfish. We tend to be a very selfish, stubborn people who have become accustomed to a certain level of comfort and or pleasure, and we believe that we deserve that level of comfort and pleasure all the time. And often when our comfort is compromised or the speed by which a service is given to us, if it is not to our liking, we're angry, we're upset. Today I would really like to help you with a two-for-one life hack, all right? You'll walk out of here two-for-one life hack message, and I want you to be able to anchor your anger in self-control, be able to respond more calmly on a regular basis. And, and here's what I'd really like to achieve this morning is how can we get angry like God gets angry? Now, my kids at various stages in their life have really tended to respond to life in a more mature uh, way than a lot of people their age. Now, that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with their, their mom, but uh, when they have actually acted more along the lines of their age, my temper tends to, to rise and escalate quickly. Uh, I can blaze and boil over and I'll blow my top. Like when they spill the milk at age three, which they are not three anymore, but they spill the milk, I'm like, what's wrong with you? And they're like, I'm three. I don't have the fine motor skills that most adults have to handle this jug of milk. Maybe you could have helped me. 
they break a household item because it's being used as a bat or a sword or a gun or anything other than its intended purpose. And I'm like, what were you doing with that? And when they don't pick up and I have to, when they cook their own breakfast, yes, my kids are cooking their own breakfast in the morning, and yet they have the audacity not to clean up and put things back where they go. You know, I'm, I'm frustrated and angry, and I have it pretty good. I'm not going to lie. But I struggle with this fruit of self-control. Plagues me more often than I really would like to admit. In other areas than just anger, I have trouble often controlling myself. And I would guess if you struggle with anger, then you have this trouble as well in other areas of your life. And here's how anger presents itself. I've looked into it on many occasions, and I've discovered how we tend to respond to anger is we express it. So we express what's frustrating to us. And when people who are angry express their anger, it can be the poor little cashier at the, you know, the register who's not responding in a way that you feel like they should. It can be our our kids that we yell at and we belittle them to a, a degree that we feel like we can. We can put in their place a customer service agent because, because my comfort has been interrupted. The, the, the blazing fast Wi-Fi isn't working. My ESPN is spotty or my phone isn't doing X, Y, whatever it is. And we get so frustrated at all the things that cause us comfort that aren't working that will express it. Sometimes people who express anger can go into a, a harmful category. Physical abuse, violent tempers, foul words, Bobby Knight, throwing chairs and whatnot. I'm just saying... It's not fair. We can break or damage things that aren't being used for their intended purpose. The remote suddenly becomes a baseball that we can throw at the TV or a hammer is used to express our anger. And typically, someone who struggles with expressing anger that way can, can become hurtful to people who honestly do not deserve the quickness of our response and failure to control expressing their anger. Will Rogers said this, and I think this is a pretty good statement. He says, people who fly into rage always make a bad landing. People who fly into rage always make a bad landing. And those who struggle with anger have potential to give into addictions on a more easy basis. Your remedy for anger might come out in a a drink or in a habit or in a, a pattern of life. Like, this is how I resolve my anger and I have to go through these steps to get it done. And listen, that can be destructive while it might diffuse your anger. It is typically unhealthy. And so... Today, I would like us to look at maybe better ways to which we can resolve that. James 1.19 through 22 says this. James 1.19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and the evil that is in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. One of the best tips that you might hear this morning is actually that advice right there. Begin your life hack notes right now. So slow down. When we feel like our uh, situation, a person, something is causing our blood to boil over, slow down. Now what James says is is true. Any of these life hacks, in order for the, the hack to be beneficial to your life, you actually have to do what it says. Follow the steps by which it tells you that you should do it. Otherwise, it won't work. 
It, it won't do what it's supposed to do. You have to put into action what God's truth says in the Bible. Wisdom cannot be effective until you participate in trying it. It can sound really wise. You can repeat that verbiage to other people and sound really intelligent. But unless you're putting it into practice in your own life, it's really worthless. And James is saying the way to respond in life is slow. It's to slow down. In fact, the only thing that he says we should be actively doing, get right after, be quick, is to listen. And when I'm angry, I turn off my listening ears. I suddenly get frustrated and I'm just going to to shut down listening and now I'm in a blazing rage at whatever they said that offended me. I am quick to respond. And and the problem is, is that I've missed maybe the intention by which they said it. Suddenly I'm offended at something that they said, but they probably didn't intend to say it that way. And so um, oftentimes when I'm shutting it down, what I want to do is escape what might be true or right or the fact that I could be wrong. When I stop listening, it's not helpful. And when we get angry and trying to express our anger, being quick to listen is important. Quick to listen to what they're saying. And, and here's, here's a good advice is also is maybe think the best of people. Think the best intentions. Maybe they aren't actually trying to offend you. Listen well. And that is hard for people who express their anger. Expressing your anger is not the healthy option. Guess what? Neither is the other way that we tend to respond in anger. We repress it. So uh, you can express your anger or you can repress it. And now, oddly enough, I struggle with this way. And so I am an extrovert by nature and personality. I like to be uh, the center of attention, be in the spotlight, but my emotions are introverted. They are weird. And so when you know something is eating at you, you hold it in. When you're annoyed, you're frustrated, uh, you can label yourself thick-skinned. I've done that on occasion. I'm able to withstand anything, any critique, except for the fact that I'm taking careful notes of what you said and I'm stuffing that away for a later date. Uh, I store it up. When you repress your feelings and emotions at the time, you believe you're being slow to become angry. And, And potentially you are. However, the next part is slow to speak. It does not mean that you don't speak at all. But when we're repressing things, we're just trying to pretend the issue didn't exist. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to do anything. We're just stuffing in it. Uh, Anybody else in here a a stuffer with your anger? Um, What happens for me is over time, I repress something that makes me mad. And so one issue presents itself, and I just kind of stuff that away, and then maybe something else frustrates me. I take both issues, and I just I stuff it away. And then somebody else can can frustrate me. I'll get angry with somebody else separate from these other two little issues. And now I'm stuffing that. And pretty soon I'm piling on top of all of this bottled up uh, anger. And and the issue uh, that I have with somebody suddenly comes to a head. Something happens and boom, the pinata explodes, right? And now all my little frustrations over the last little bit are now spewing out and, and whoever uh, exploded the pinata is dealt with cleaning up the mess of my frustration. And, and typically, you know, you couldn't handle one more thing inside the pinata and so it explodes. So the one who has been repressing turns to expressing their anger and can actually cause more issue than you think. You think you're doing good by stuffing that away and not talking about it, but really the outcome can be very volatile. So quick to listen, James says, 
slow to speak. And remember, slow to speak does not mean that you don't speak. Some speaking is actually necessary. Slow to speak means in our reaction time. We're going to be slow to get frustrated, slow to express your anger in the moment. Slow down, but don't repress it either. Some actual conversation around the thing that has frustrated you is healthy to uncover the issue that's upset you. Here's another uh, saying. I don't know where uh, this came from. The author's unknown, but it says this. Because an angry man is again angry with himself when he returns to reason. An angry man is again angry with himself when he returns to reason. You become ashamed at the way you responded. I I can't believe I said that. can't believe I did that. And you get frustrated. It kind of reminds me of being hangry. Anybody, this is, this is a real thing. When you're tired and or hungry, you're hangry, okay? And uh, if you're in a fight with an oaks and they are hungry, this is typically the way to resolve that. All you have to do is present them with food, issue resolved. Issue is immediately restored. Hangry is when you actually resort to anger and suddenly you don't even know why, but you are mad at the world until food hits your belly and then all semblance of reason has been restored. And I often find when I am hangry, I continually have to apologize to my family, to coworkers, to anybody that I unleash my wrath upon, and uh, once order is restored, I've come back to my senses. And this is true of people who get so worked up, you get so mad that you can't even remember what you said or what you did until you either see the footage play back for you or you hear that, did I actually say that? I surely didn't say that. And shame soaks in. An angry man is again angry with himself when he returns to reason. So if when we express our anger, that isn't healthy. When we repress our anger, it's unproductive. What is actually the better way to respond to anger? Well, it's to confess it. To confess it. When you can slow down, when you can listen and understand, when you refuse to frustrate so quickly, anger can't control you. And the fruit that we want to see in a response to frustration, the productivity that God wants to produce in your life, the evidence that God is working in your heart is this, that you exhibit self-control. Being able to control our temper, control our words, control our thoughts, it is control of self. Reason, listen to what they're saying. Reason to, why am I frustrated by that? Why is that offending me? Uh, Quick to listen. Slow down with your response. But do respond. There is actually nothing wrong with disagreeing with someone. There's nothing wrong with that. It's simply our reaction that changes the desire of our heart. And anger stirs up in us selfish tendencies. So life hack number one is this. Slow down. Slow down. Listen well and confess your frustrations in a way that communicates the desire of your heart. And you might say discuss. And as you discuss, James would remind us, uh, listen more than you speak. So I always want to get the last word in. Anybody else like that? I feel like I'm witty. I'm quick to respond. I feel like I can get that last word in there and that will really seal the deal, you know? And and what will happen is oftentimes if, if my point isn't getting across, my voice escalates and I just get louder and louder and louder and louder. And nothing is happening. I'm not winning the argument. I'm just getting louder. And uh, that's not helpful. But the times I have felt at peace with arguments has been when discussion was the route I utilized, confessing my frustrations and both sides air their heart on the topic in a calm and loving manner. And I can walk away still frustrated. I can walk away still uh, not agreeing with the point, but I confessed what was stirring in my heart. 
Now, whether or not I agree with the person, when I listen, when I'm slow to speak, it actually controls my anger. It actually can be the best approach to a loving response. Now, does that make sense in a way that might be applicable uh, for you this morning? I'm learning to slow down in my old age, mainly because my body is slowing me down, and that's fine. But slowing down is so important as we respond to anger. When I'm frustrated, that is when control needs to kick in. Because all this can sound great, right? All this can sound like really wise words. That's really good until you're frustrated. Then that's when control needs to kick in. When I can control my expression, when I refuse the repression and simply breathe and confess what is bothering me, that's when I see the results that I desire, peace in my life. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to learn and memorize James 1.19. Did I say that? I don't remember if I said that, but you'll do that, obviously. And and here's another quick life hack. Um, You're all seated, which is good. Um, But go to the edge of your, your seat. Put both feet on the floor. Here's something that can help you kind of calm yourself down in the midst of frustration. So what I want you to do is put all your pressure on your right foot as you're kind of sitting there and then take a deep breath in through your nose. So you breathe in through your nose with pressure on the right foot and then shift your weight as you exhale. And as you do that, breathe in, pressure on your right foot, exhale, breathe out. What it does is it shifts your frustration. It gets you active as you calm yourself down. And it's a way that you can help respond in the midst of troubling, frustrating times. So here's life hack 2.0, all right? Our struggle when we are angry tends to be selfish. If I'm honest, uh, most of the times where I've been angry, it has been about me. What has happened to me? I promote my own agenda, my own way. We want something, and when we don't get it, we are frustrated. But Proverbs gives us a look into what God would actually direct his anger towards. So Proverbs 6, 16 says this. There are six things that the Lord hates. No seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord within their family. So I would take those seven ways and I put them into two kind of major categories. And the first would this be this. God's anger burns towards thing that, that leads to death. So sin, as Roman tells us, the, the punishment for sin, the wage for sin is death. And so God's anger burns towards sin. He hates it. It angers him when his people make idols, when they commit sin, and ultimately pull themselves away from God's heart and his desire for our life. And when we are sinning, you cannot promote another person. You cannot lift someone else when you are selfishly trying to defend your own agenda. And so God hates sin because all sin is selfish. Romans 12, 9 says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. You hear all those action words there? All those action words that are are helpful. And James reminded us earlier that we should be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak. And and here Romans is telling us, uh, don't just pretend to love others. 
actually participate in loving them. Be actively involved in how you show and display your love for others. Throughout the book of Proverbs, you get this kind of wisdom literature. And here's what happens. All throughout the book, you get this, this is the, the right way to respond. This is the wrong way to respond. You can respond this way or you can respond this way. And, and we get this kind of back and forth truth about the wise way to respond. And so here's what you can see throughout the whole book of Proverbs, these truths. So wisdom's, and it'll be up here on the screen, so there you go. Wisdom's enemy is foolishness. Righteousness counterpart would be wickedness. Life and the opposite of that is, see how wise you guys are? You are so wise. So knowledge versus ignorance, work or diligence versus laziness, success and failure, obedience or what people wrestle with on a regular basis is rebellion, humility and we hold on to pride, encouragement and the opposite of that would be slander, generosity or man, we're greedy, love, hatred, joy, sadness, hope. The opposite of that would be anxiety. We talked about that last week. If you can hope for the future, if you can focus on today and what God has provided for you and then self-control and wait for it, anger. Anger is the opposite of controlling ourselves. I thought incredibly insightful to think through that list. And when we choose selfishly, what we're doing is we're choosing the opposite of these truths. And even even if we think our way is right, what happens? We can be depraved, wicked, and unjust. We can know that when I've gone down this road before, it's led to death. But man, we still pursue oftentimes our own selfish way. And that leads to sin. And God hates sin. He hates it. If we could hate what is evil and cling to what is good, we could follow after God's heart for his people. We will not see life change until we're willing to lay down our past transgressions, until we're willing to get out of our own way, the old patterns and customs of our life. When we put to death the evil things and cling or hold tightly to God's heart, that's when we can get active, loving others, sharing generously. When we are humble, then we can be kind then we'll see joy, then we'll experience peace. Jesus, our example of God while he was here on this earth, he uh, overturns the money changers' tables in the synagogue. And most people raise their eyebrows to that, like, Jesus did that? Like, Jesus, Jesus? It's like, Jesus gets angry. And if you look at it, his anger is not selfish. It's not towards things that have happened to Jesus, but rather the people God loves. And so in the synagogue, the Pharisees were charging a temple tax to receive the items uh, to provide for, for sacrifice. So in that day, it was necessary for the people to grab this thing to atone for sin, to worship. And the church were robbing people to make selfish gains. They were being greedy. And Jesus was angry at their selfishness angry at their greed. And Jesus disturbs their tables, or you could say he flips them over and he drives the worship leaders out with a whip. Now, I wish I could have seen that because that would have been awesome. I think his disciples would have been like, I didn't even know he knew how to use one of those things. But there he is. He's angry. And God's anger is towards sin, which leads to death. And he's also angry towards injustice or impression or oppression. The things that hold the people God loves down. He's sick and tired of injustice and slavery over our own wickedness, our sin that's killing our heart. It's separating us from God. And he simply hates it. And then often from up here, you, you should see some of your reactions sometimes because we can, 
we can see it, what's kind of going on as you respond. And, and here's what happens. Sometimes you're frustrated at what's been said. You're kind of chewing on that. You're thinking about that, and you're frustrated at what's been said. Sometimes you're frustrated with yourself, and you're showing that. Or maybe you're frustrated with someone sitting next to you, and you exhibit that as well. But here's the deal. That anger can actually be used for good if you allow it to look at your heart, to shore up some of the, the selfish tendencies in your life, away from your desires, and to actually hate sin. If you can hate the sin in your life, then that anger towards what's been said can actually be led towards good. So we don't often like what we say up here either, because we have to deal with it. But my hope, every time, every time I walk out here, my hope is simply that, that I can get out of the way and Jesus can be the center of what we worship and what we glorify, that we can live, love, and look like him. So quickly, let's look at Proverbs chapter 6 through the message translations. Here's what it says again. Here are six things that God hates, one more that he loathes with a passion, eyes that are arrogant, a tongue that lies, hands that murder the innocent, a heart that hatches evil plots, feet that race down a wicked uh, track, a mouth that lies under oath, and a troublemaker in the family. That is what angers our God. I don't know if it does us. I, I don't know if that's what bothers us if sin and oppression upset us but we grow closer to god's heart when we chase after the things that anger him but often we tend to hear truth and like james uh, unless you actually get into the practicing aspect of truth what good is it Uh, what good is that if i take a life hack to common problems and i'm hearing what the potential might be a remedy for a problem that i've had for a long time but i'm thinking and this happens often you know i look at one of those life hacks and i'm like that would never work that never actually works or it's not going to work in my situation my problem's worse or or it's not going to be as effective as what they're showing in that video if i were to just go on living yeah, I've heard what could be potential problem solver, and yet I don't attempt it. I don't try it. I'm not even going to look into it. You know, that can't help our marriage. That won't help me when I'm anxious. We don't put into practice what we've learned. Guess what? Nothing changes. Nothing changes in your life. What was broken before remains. What frustrated me in the past is how I respond tomorrow and the next day. And I won't ever know. You won't ever know if that could have potentially been the cure to your problem. And it does matter. It doesn't matter if it's hard or challenging, if it's easy or simple. You just have to be obedient, right? So let me refresh what we have discussed today. What we've uh, kind of boiled down to this point, God's heart burns in anger towards sin because sin separates us from God. His heart and his desire for our life, it leads to death. And God's hope for us is life. God hates sin. And if we could do the same, if we could hate sin, it would put us on a track towards peace, towards joy, towards the things that God desires. We need to frustrate over the things that God does other than our selfish tendencies. God's wrath burns over oppression and slavery and holding people down. When the Israelites were held in captivity, God anxiously and desperately seeks after them. He goes after Pharaoh to release the people that he loves. And so many of us here today are in bondage to sin. We cannot see the oppression around us. And that closes us off to actually opportunities to be kind, to be humble and generous. And anger is so very real holding many people in this room captive for the majority of their lives. And it is possible, it is possible to hear everything I've said today and do none of it. 
It's possible that you could need all of which I have told you about this morning and do zip, zero, zilch. You can walk out of here, never change a thing. But truth is true regardless of what you do with it. And I need to slow down. I need to listen better. I need to stop the hatred that I have for the people that God loves regardless of the problem that I have with them. And here is your life hack on anger. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because our anger does not bring about the right life that God hopes we actively pursue. We pray with me. Dearly Father, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. And Lord, I, I'm so thankful for your son who came to this world to be our example to provide for us when we are at our weakest point, Lord, you are, are strong. And Lord, this morning we come in here weak. We come in here full of, of sins and, and things that have disturbed our heart. And Lord, my prayer, my prayer is that you could help us control our temper, control ourself, control our thoughts, that we might be able to glorify you. Lord, I'm thankful for your son because it's in his grace, it's in his willingness to sacrifice his life that I have the ability to claim everlasting life. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.